0: I think we've been so focused on the hospital response. We weren't anticipating this. We were anticipating a respiratory virus that was going to tear its way through and either kill you or not. This has been something that we didn't think was going to happen.
1: I'm one of the half a million people in counting who've had COVID-19 by this stage in South Africa. I was one of the lucky ones. I had about a week of bad tiredness, aches, dizziness, coughing, and then I felt fine. Most people who get COVID will fall into this category. Others will get terrifyingly ill, be admitted to hospital ICU, and some will die. And then there's a third group. You won't find this third group among the official COVID-19 statistics. Mostly they are people who haven't even been admitted to hospital because their cases would be considered mild, as in they didn't require mechanical ventilation or experience organ failure. And yet weeks, sometimes months down the line, these people are still essentially incapacitated by illness. When they failed to get better, they faced huge scepticism from family, friends and employers, asked if they were imagining it. They had to deal with their own minds playing tricks on them. Were they really still sick? If everywhere they looked, they were told this disease had only two general courses, either mild or fatal. Only now, seven months into the discovery of this new disease, are health experts recognising that there are some people who can be wiped out by COVID-19 symptoms for as long as three months and longer. The truth is, we don't even know how long they could be sick. They're calling these people the COVID long haulers, and their illness, long COVID. These are deceptively casual terms for a phenomenon which is increasingly causing researchers sleepless nights. The possibility that when this pandemic passes, there could be millions of people all around the world left dealing with something which is beginning to look a lot like it could be a chronic condition. Welcome to Season 2 of Don't Shoot the Messenger, the Daily Maverick podcast where we bring you the stories behind the stories. This week, as South Africa relaxes into Level 2 lockdown with the sense that the worst burden of COVID-19 may be behind us, we're looking at the frightening reality of long COVID and how little we really know about a disease that has saturated all our lives for most of 2020. I'm Rebecca Davis. This is Robin Gorner. She's a health activist based in London, but she also spends quite a bit of time in South Africa. Robin worked here for some years for the British government, leading the regional programmes on HIV.
2: The reality is that I am living with long COVID. I hope one day, I won't be, I hope one day I'll say I used to have COVID. But right now I'm living with COVID and I'm doing the best I can to get on with as much of my life as is realistic.
1: Robin dates her life with COVID as beginning around the 3rd of May, over three months ago. She was initially hit by what she calls the classic COVID-19 symptoms, a tight chest, difficulty breathing, a bad cough and body aches. She was in bed for about two weeks and after that seemed to be breathing much more easily. Assuming she was on the mend, Robin took a stroll to a park, which is normally about a three-minute walk from her house. It took her 15 minutes and after that outing, she couldn't get out of bed for three or four days. That's when Robin realised something strange was going on, and it's continued ever since.
2: I had never experienced fatigue like I experienced at that time. This unbelievable sense of just not being able to get up off the sofa. I could often sit there for three or four hours and simply not be able to stand up. Now the fatigue I ref- feel can sometimes be quite like that, rarely though as protracted, but it can be absolutely shattering and stop me from getting on with my daily life. I know other people for whom even doing the most basic task of, for example, going to take a shower can be the one activity they can do in a day and and they can't do more. Many of us have this very strange shaking that goes on in our bodies. I used to call it fizzing and that's a really peculiar symptom. There's also one just where I think the term malaise is perhaps the best one. Just all of your body feels out of sync. It just doesn't work. Many of us have heart palpitations. One of the things you watch for in the acute phase is your pulse rate, which often rises very high. And many of us with long COVID find that we have a persistently high pulse. So if your resting pulse was 60 before you had COVID, it might now be regularly 100. I have had moments when all the acute symptoms came back, usually in a different pattern. So I might get the shortness of breath, not so much the coughing, but others get the coughing. A lot of people are experiencing gastrointestinal illnesses, diarrhea, constipation, nausea. And the other thing that many of us complain over is what we call brain fog. A lot of brain confusion. It's very, very frequent to stand in the middle of my room and simply not know what's going on around me or what I'm doing there and why.
1: Robin is not alone. A recent study from King's College London suggested that in the UK, up to half a million people are currently battling long COVID, seeing their lives turned upside down by consecutive weeks and months of roiling, ever-changing symptoms. Worldwide, it's estimated that millions more people are in the same boat. These people include doctors, epidemiologists, infectious disease specialists, professors of neurology, all of whom say they cannot explain what is happening within their bodies, except that they are still suffering from the symptoms of COVID-19 some 60, 70, 80 days after first being infected. They include people of all ages, many of whom were healthy, active, and lacked the underlying conditions believed to spell the greatest danger for COVID-19 patients. They also include South Africans, many of whom have taken to social media support groups which have sprung up in response to the confusion, isolation and frustration induced by months of inexplicable illness. One of them is this podcast's producer, my wife Haji, who is currently on day 56 of COVID-19 symptoms with no apparent end in sight. I asked Wits Professor Francois Fenter if there was any sense of how many South Africans might currently be battling long COVID. He says the data doesn't exist yet because these are people who are being classified as COVID recoveries due to the fact that they haven't died.
0: i watched government releasing these, these statistics around recovered numbers. Now, firstly, the numbers themselves are completely irrelevant because South Africa had an incoherent testing program from the beginning. But to call somebody recovered when we don't understand what that even means you know, is a little bit of a stretch. I think what we should just say is, you know, discharged alive from the hospital or you're still alive and not infectious. It's very clear that they are not recovered.
1: The reason why nobody has been collecting statistics on South Africa's COVID long haulers is really simple. It's because nobody suspected they existed.
0: I think we've been so focused on the hospital response. We weren't anticipating this. You we were anticipating a respiratory virus that was going to tear its way through and either kill you or not. This has been something that we didn't think was going to happen.
1: And here's the kicker. Because even top global health experts weren't prepared for the possibility that COVID-19 could cause debilitating long-term illness, it has been incredibly difficult for COVID long-haulers to get anyone to take them seriously. Even Robin, who is a well-respected global health expert, has struggled to be believed when it comes to her own health.
2: One of the things that's incredibly upsetting is how friends, family and some medical professionals don't take this seriously. And I really make a plea to people that, yes, of course, there are times when I suffer, but I want to put me first and my life first before this stupid illness that has come upon me.
1: If you visit one of the Facebook groups set up for COVID long haulers, you'll see this narrative repeated again and again. People reporting that it is continuously suggested to them that their symptoms are at least partly psychosomatic, linked to the anxiety of lockdown. Sufferers report particular difficulty getting employers to take them seriously. If you've had a case of COVID-19 that didn't require hospitalization, you're expected back at work in two weeks. How do you persuade a boss who's never heard of long COVID that you're still too sick after two months to sit in front of a computer all day? It definitely doesn't help that many of
2: those who report struggles with long COVID are women. Many of us seem to be women. Now, of course, we know that the mortality rates are much higher amongst men. For a while, people thought that estrogen might be protective as to why women were not dying. Anything like the the rates as men are. The research hasn't been concluded yet and it will take some time. But that's going to be a really interesting one to understand if it's just that more women are active in the support groups or in fact more of us are getting long COVID.
1: There's abundant evidence to show that women and people of colour often struggle harder to be taken seriously by the medical establishment than white men. In fact, one of the events now considered a bit of a turning point in the story of long-haul COVID was when a renowned British infectious disease specialist who also happens to be a white man, Paul Garner, wrote of his own battle with long COVID in the prestigious British Medical Journal. A number of women have since written about their feelings of relief when this happened because they knew it would bring new legitimacy to the concept they had been describing in vain. And Francois points out that the medical establishment has an unfortunate history of being skeptical towards novel ailments in general.
0: I think the beauty of this is that it's new. You know, clinicians are notorious for not taking this stuff seriously. There are a couple of medical syndromes now which are widely accepted, you know, including things like irritable bowel syndrome and things, where it took people to do MRIs on people's guts to essentially show that there is actually people complaining of symptoms actually have swelling of their bowel wall before anyone would take it seriously. So I think in this case clinicians are more likely to take it seriously, but I think we must anticipate a lot of pull yourself towards yourself, pull yourself together, you know, it can't be that bad type language because our society, unfortunately, is prone to that.
1: When we're back, the best guesses of health experts as to what could be causing long COVID and the frightening possibility that COVID-19 could be more like AIDS than has previously been realised. Despite the estimated millions of sufferers worldwide, Long COVID still hasn't been established as a medical diagnosis. Robin says it's at the stage where it's being increasingly understood as an idea. As a result, there's still very little that is known about it. But one thing that is becoming clear is that the initial assumption that COVID-19 was a lung disease is only part of the picture. In fact, the stuff doctors were most worried about at the beginning, for instance, that the virus could cause long-term lung scarring, largely hasn't happened. Instead, it's now evident that COVID-19 can wreak havoc on multiple other organs. It's
2: attacking the cardiac system and we're seeing strokes. And now we also know that the virus can attach to brain cells too, which is why some of us have some cognitive changes and and brain changes. So it's a fascinating journey to understand what it does. And my big plea at the moment is for more and more research and not only research into a vaccine. One of the most common and strangest is the
1: persistence of sleep hallucinations and vivid lucid dreams. In a particularly chilling turn of phrase, one group of researchers has now described the novel coronavirus as, quote, acting like no pathogen humanity has ever seen. All that anyone has at the moment as to why COVID-19 could be causing such debilitating long-term symptoms are theories. Francois explains that one theory places responsibility for the damage on overfiring immune systems reacting under
0: threat. For some viruses, such as hepatitis B, in fact, it's the immune response that actually does most of the damage, not the virus itself. The virus does pretty much nothing other than elicit the immune response. Tuberculosis is the same. You know, it actually just sits there and slowly grows. And while your body is like taking it out, it's causing big chunks in your lung and sweating in your kidneys and your brain and everywhere else. And that's what actually causes the damage. And this might be the case for this one.
1: For this reason, Francois says the medical establishment is likely to begin looking at some form of immunological intervention. treat the condition. But particularly because long COVID appears to consist of a cluster of very disparate symptoms, there's little good news on the immediate horizon in terms of treatment for the COVID long haulers.
0: The sad reality is we have precious little to offer. And these kind of cases, it's kind of try the stuff that works for you, you know, sort of tailor it up and and do that. Give yourself permission for feeling down. It's funny, I, I remember giving that advice at the start of the lockdown when people were talking about anxiety and the terrible sense of foreboding that they were feeling, you know, this kind of pre-traumatic stress syndrome. And some of that, I think, actually needs to apply to these kind of, call them COVID survivors, you know, of people who who are having these grumbling symptoms, which you need to just, you know... Just be kind about it, that we don't know what these things look like and that the kind of therapeutics we have to offer, having the humility to understand that some of this, we just gonna have to, you know, tailor it to the individual circumstances rather than have a beautiful, randomised, controlled study where we know the science perfectly to take it forward. It's very frustrating, I think.
1: The COVID-19 pandemic has seen an unprecedented marshalling of scientific energy. To put this into perspective... By April, which we now understand as practically the infancy of the pandemic, over a thousand scientific papers were being published per week on the subject. But despite this flurry of activity, treatments for any new diseases take time. Robin points out that it took 15 years after HIV was discovered for effective antiretroviral drugs to be developed. It's no coincidence that some of the health experts who are most interested and invested in COVID-19 are people whose primary expertise is in HIV and AIDS, like both Robin and Francois. Both of them frequently refer to the early days of AIDS when considering what's happening today, where a frighteningly unknown virus turns out to have long-term complications nobody yet really understands and for which no treatment is available. Robin is adamant that scientists beginning to look seriously at long COVID should be considering the possibility that it may be playing out more like AIDS than most people care to think about.
2: I want to put a plea to considering whether COVID is a syndrome, a collection of illnesses. Not everyone gets all of them. And that's what AIDS is. I think that's the type of illness we're looking at here. I might be completely wrong, but I really want scientists to look hard at that. And that's going to be the clue to finding treatments as well and figuring out how it is we manage this in our bodies.
1: If there's one thing almost everyone seems to agree on, it's the fact that more research is needed spanning much longer periods than has been available to date. And there's growing consensus that long COVID needs to be taken seriously as a condition because the implications are staggering that while lockdowns are lifted and governments celebrate the ostensible defeat of the pandemic, millions of people globally could be left effectively unable to function for months or even years. Don't Shoot the Messenger is a podcast brought to you by The Daily Maverick. This episode was produced by Haji Mohammed Dawji with sound engineering, editing, and support by Bernard Kotze, Tevia Turok-Shapiro, and Catherine Kotze. You can listen to Don't Shoot the Messenger on the Daily Mavericks website, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. For more, subscribe to the Daily Mavericks newsletters and follow us on Twitter and Instagram.